Welcome back everyone. Most dividend investors are drawn to dividend investing by the appeal of a passive income stream. If you're a newer dividend investor, or if you're considering becoming one, then I think it's fundamental you understand how dividend income grows. Today I'm going to go back to the basics of dividend investing and talk about the three basic ways through which your dividend income can increase over time. Understanding how this works will help you make better decisions on the type of stocks and funds to include in your portfolio. If you're a more seasoned dividend investor, you may find this content a bit novice, but I will try to make it interesting for all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's start by breaking down the three basic ways your dividend income can increase. The first and most obvious way is if you invest additional capital into a dividend-paying stock or fund. The second way is if one of your dividend holdings announces a dividend increase. And the third is if you elect to reinvest your dividends. The best way to grow your dividend income is through a combination of all three. But where things become a bit more complex is deciding which stocks or funds will grow your income in the best way for you. No two dividend investors are alike, in the sense that we all have different goals and timelines for our dividend portfolios. I often get asked a very similar question by my audience. What is the best stock or fund that I should add to my portfolio? And this is a very difficult question to answer without knowing additional context about the individual asking the question. I believe dividend investing can be broken down into two buckets. In one bucket, you have the investors that seek a high dividend yield. And in the other bucket, you have the investors that aim for a higher dividend growth rate. So let's break down how dividend income growth differs under these two unique styles of dividend investing. For the high yield seekers, dividend income grows faster when new capital is added to your portfolio and through dividend reinvestment. And for high dividend growth investors, dividend income grows faster through dividend increases. Logically, the math seems simple. High yield strategies should be more favorable than high growth strategies, since your dividend income will grow faster under two of the three basic ways. And they are, at least in the short term. And you also have to determine what it is you seek to attain with your dividend portfolio. Let me walk you through a few real examples of how dividend income grows under different styles of dividend investing and perhaps we can derive some conclusions that can help you decide which path is optimal for you. I analyzed three different dividend stocks, a high yield stock, a high dividend growth stock, and one somewhere in the middle. And what I wanted to see is how the dividend income growth for each stock differed over time. The stocks I chose were British American Tobacco, ticker symbol BTI, Home Depot, ticker symbol HD, and McDonald's, ticker symbol MCD. BTI is the high yield stock, and it currently sports a dividend yield above 7%. Home Depot is the high dividend growth stock, with a very strong history of above average dividend increases. The stock currently sports a dividend yield of a little more than 2%. And McDonald's is the middle ground, with a history of good dividend growth and a generally better than average dividend yield. Today, McDonald's offers a dividend yield that is in line with Home Depot. But as you will see in my example, historically the company's dividend yield was more attractive than what Home Depot offered. I tested a hypothetical investment of $10,000 into each of these three stocks 20 years ago and I analyzed the long-term results to see how the dividend income from each stock changed during this period of time. Let's start by looking at the final outcome for each stock at the end of the 20-year period. First off is BTI, and the original $10,000 has grown a little more than 11 times to roughly $111,000 with dividend reinvestment. The stock also paid $7,892 in dividends in year number 20, giving us a 78.92% yield on costs. Pretty cool. The total amount of dividends received stands at a little more than $70,000, that's 7x our original investment over two decades. The starting dividend yield for BTI 20 years ago was roughly 6.25%. 
Home Depot has grown the original $10,000 to about $205,000, much more than BTI. But with Home Depot, we would receive only $4,881 in dividends in year number 20, giving us a 48.81% yield on cost, which is still very nice, but not as nice as BTI. The total amount of dividends received from Home Depot was roughly $28,500, and the starting dividend yield 20 years ago was about 1.08%, so definitely a small dividend yield investment. McDonald's finished with the highest overall market value of about $279,000. It also paid more dividend income in year 20 than Home Depot, but less than BTI, right around $5.9,000. The total dividend income paid by McDonald's was roughly $51,000, which is considerably better than Home Depot, and the starting dividend yield was about 2.5%. Three different stocks with three different starting dividend yields and growth histories, and each produced different results. In addition to these three individual stocks, I modeled two scenarios of investing equally in BTI and Home Depot and investing equally in all three stocks. Both scenarios produce pretty similar results with the exception of the final market value that is substantially higher in the scenario including all three stocks opposed to just BTI and Home Depot. Under both scenarios, the final dividend income in year 20 was about $6.3,000 and the total amount of dividends received is about $49,000. So by blending high yield and high growth, you are more likely to finish with a higher market value but you do give up the amount of dividend income you can receive. We can already derive a few conclusions just from these results. If your goal is to maximize market value, you are likely better off with a high growth stock, as both Home Depot and McDonald's outpaced BTI in total appreciation by a wide margin. If your goal is to maximize dividend income, a high yield stock is the best route, as neither McDonald's nor Home Depot were able to catch up to BTI, despite both stocks having much higher dividend growth rates. And if your goal is to balance dividend income and total returns, then you are better off combining high yield and high growth stocks together. Investing in all three of these stocks produced almost the same final market value as investing in Home Depot alone, but it generated far more dividend income and a larger dividend stream. Let's dig a little deeper now. In the beginning, I stated that dividend income grows through three basic ways. Money that you invest, dividend increases, and dividend reinvestment. So let's measure how fast dividend income grew for each of these three stocks and in the two combined portfolios through the three basic ways. To measure this, I broke down what portion of dividend income paid in year 20 was a direct result of the money you invested, dividend increases, or dividend reinvestment. For BTI, the money invested accounted for 7.92% of the dividend in year 20, dividend increases accounted for 30.16%, and dividend reinvestment for 61.92%. Clearly, dividend reinvestment played the biggest role here. For Home Depot, the money invested accounted for just 2.21% of the dividend in year 20, dividend increases accounted for 62.61%, and dividend reinvestment for the remaining 35.18%. The results for McDonald's are in between BTI and Home Depot, but they are closer to Home Depot's results, since McDonald's started with just a marginally better yield, and has grown very quickly over the past 20 years, at least the earlier part of the past 20 years. So just as I pointed out earlier, high-yield stocks grow your dividend income faster through the capital you invest and through dividend reinvestment, while high-growth stocks grow your income faster through dividend increases. The problem with dividend increases is that it takes a very long time for high growth stocks to catch up to high yield stocks in terms of dividend income. But there is a factor that changes this balance drastically, and I will point it out right after I show you the math. BTI, in this example, averaged an 8.17% annual dividend growth rate during the past 20 years, which is very good for a high yield stock. Home Depot grew its dividend at an impressive rate of 18.4% per year, and McDonald's at 14.16%. So McDonald's was growing its dividend 73.3% faster than BTI and Home Depot was growing its dividend 125.2% faster than BTI. But this wasn't fast enough to catch BTI's dividend in 20 years, and this was in large part due to the role of dividend reinvestment. 
Because of dividend reinvestment, BTI was able to grow the annual dividend it paid 64.5% faster than its annual dividend increase rate. The annual dividend paid by BTI increased by 13.44% per year, and not just by the 8.17% average dividend growth rate. This is called the effect of compounding. In Home Depot's case, dividend reinvestment boosted its annual dividend growth rate by only 13.8%, from 18.4% to 20.94%, and McDonald's annual dividend growth rate was boosted by 20.5% through reinvestment, from 14.16% to 17.17%. If I ran the same example, but turned off dividend reinvestment, both Home Depot and McDonald's would actually pay more dividend income in year 20 than BTI, because without the boost it received from dividend reinvestment, the 8.17% dividend growth rate was no match for McDonald's 14.16% or Home Depot's 18.4% dividend growth rates. This is an important distinction to note, because sooner or later we will all turn off dividend reinvestment in our portfolios. And from that point on, the primary driver of growth for our dividend income will only be dividend increases. The two scenarios where I combined BTI and Home Depot and all three of the stocks fared better without dividend reinvestment than BTI alone, but both of these portfolios would have a very hard time keeping up with just Home Depot and McDonald's if both companies can continue to increase their dividends at high rates. I think what we can take away from this example is that if we focus too much on high dividend yield and we reinvest our dividends, the growth rate at which our dividend income appears to grow may give us the wrong impression of what our dividend growth will look like once we turn off dividend reinvestment. And if we place too much emphasis on dividend growth and not the dividend yield, we may not be able to reach our desired level of dividend income. There's no guarantee that any given stock will continue to increase its dividend at an above average rate. I personally believe the best route to take is somewhere in the middle, and highly dependent on how many years you have left before you turn off the drip. Before you start pointing out the obvious in the comments, I know that McDonald's dividend growth has flattened lately, and much of the growth in my example came during the early years. BTI also had a much more generous dividend growth policy in the early 2000s, and you probably shouldn't count on its dividend growing at 8% per year in the future. I chose to include these three stocks in my example mainly because of their starting dividend yields 20 years ago and the long-term results they produced. I'm not advocating for either a high-yield or high-growth dividend strategy. You should choose the one that feels better for you. Through the examples I share, I only want to give you context to think about. In all honesty, the dividend yield and dividend growth rate should not be the first two metrics you look for when analyzing a stock. First and foremost, you should determine whether the company you're considering is going to grow in the future. Because if the company doesn't grow, its dividend is unlikely to grow either, at least not for very long. Between 2003 and today, BTR nearly doubled its revenue stream, which is the primary reason why it was able to pay more dividend income to long-term shareholders. Home Depot tripled its revenue in the same span of time, and McDonald's just about doubled its revenue stream. But because BTI was already distributing more of its income as dividends 20 years ago, it wasn't able to grow the stream as fast as Home Depot or McDonald's. I start my investing research by looking at the company first and the dividend metrics second, and I evaluate my dividend yield and dividend growth rate at the portfolio level. This allows me to add stocks that have both a high and low dividend yield and varying levels of dividend growth. I like to keep my portfolio yield at about 2 to 2.25%, and I've been averaging about 10% dividend growth over the past few years. But I also have a pretty long time horizon, and I feel these metrics are sufficient for now. I expect that my yield will creep up over time, and the dividend growth rate will cool off. But I'd like to maintain a dividend growth rate that is higher than average inflation, because once I turn off dividend reinvestment, it's the dividend increases that will matter the most. 